0: We're in such a strong market right now that we become comfortable and complacent. And I'm really big on just making sure that I keep in mind that this is not going to stay this way forever. And I think it's been this way for so long that people have forgotten that.
1: You're listening to The Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you wanna live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi. Hello, Right Club Nation. This is Danielle St. Jean, one of the co-founders. Before we get started, I wanted to ask you a quick question. Have you checked out The Rock yet? What's The Rock? Well, it's the Right Club online community, a place where you can go to find your real estate investing and business answers and network with like-minded people. We have interactive forums, all the podcast episodes, and hours of videos with a wide range of real estate investing, training, and education, and much more. It's free to join, so be sure to come grow with us at therightclub.com. Now, on with the podcast.
2: Right Club community, welcome back to another week of the awesome Right Club podcast. I'm Sarah Larby, and today I have a special co-host, Catherine. Catherine, hello, how are you?
3: I'm great. Uh, thanks so much for having me on today. I'm really excited to hear what Danielle has to say. She's just uh, phenomenal what she's done in the, the world of real estate investing and uh, as a contractor, as a mom, she juggles it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And but- she makes it work. Before we get into Danielle, though, I, I'm, I'm just curious if you could share what you do for the club, um, because it's an honor, obviously, to have you on, on the podcast today. What is your role with the right Club?
3: I'm, I'm the operations manager for the, uh, the right Club, and basically that means I'm the detailer. So I'm, I'm looking after the details within the different uh, departments, uh, whether it be the events, the whether it be working with uh, the financial end of things, with the bookkeepers, with our marketing and branding, with our, uh, with our business development and sales staff. And um, I'm learning a lot. And, and the, one of the nicest parts is working with our, with our community, um, working with those who are coming on board as our sponsors and our partners, taking care of them and our community and helping them to grow. That's what we do. We've invited them to come grow with us. And that means too, that they have dreams. And that's why they're entering into the real estate investing so that they can achieve and meet those dreams and goals. And we help them do it. So what's not to like, it's fun. I'm really enjoying it and I'm learning a lot.
2: Awesome. And you you do so much. So thank you for all you do. And you've already purchased two investments for uh, for yourself, which is really cool. One including in Costa Rica.
3: (laughs) I have. It's pretty exciting. And both of those have been uh, purchased uh, within the last five months.
2: Very cool. Well congratulations on that. So our guest today is Danielle Chason, uh, a great friend of mine, super knowledgeable, um, really, really has processes, procedures developed and makes it look, look easy. Uh, started out as a flipper and moved on to uh, you know the buy and hold strategy and going into different markets to boost cash flow. And we talk about everything in between and how she's managing um, you know three kids her portfolio, her you know, real estate investments and everything in between. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy today's podcast. If you haven't yet, please leave a rating and a review and check us out at therightclub.com. And Don't forget, we do have events each and every single month, a handful of them at therightclub.com forward slash events. Let's bring in Danielle. Danielle, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm
0: good. How are you ladies doing today?
2: Excellent, excellent. So uh, I have Catherine with me as my co-host. It is going to be awesome and exciting. Uh, we are going to be asking you some great questions and I'm sure you'll have lots of awesome insight for us. Before we get started, I mean, you've been very successful uh, with your real estate investing business. Give us a little bit of a background on how you initially got started in investing.
0: Um, Well, let's see. I started with buying my first property, obviously, um, as that's where most people start. Uh, In my 20s, I think I was 27 years old when I bought my first property. And so from there, I was just a landlord, had a couple of properties, thought I knew everything. Um, I was helping um, with his business. He was a con, had some background in contracting and, and so we just kind of invested in buying properties and doing buy and holds. And uh, I kind of wanted to change and I wanted to make our money work for us. So I decided to go into um, real estate more as a career. And so what I did is I invested in a group in the States where I did a lot of education, decided I wanted to start flipping. And that was kind of like a shit career. That's when I actually made a career in real estate investing. And, um, and that's when I realized I knew nothing before that and then um, it's back to school. So I took two years um, to educate myself, got my real estate license, did a lot of work in learning about real estate and business and flipping and then I flipped houses for five years. Last year I decided to pivot from that and just do buying holds. And so now I'm in the acquisitions business and just acquiring multi-unit properties.
2: That's awesome. Congratulations. And I mean, you know, it's, it's great to see uh, you succeeding, pivoting. Um, do you mind if I ask why, why the pivot from flipping to buy and hold?
0: That's a great question, Sarah. Um, I'm glad you asked that because a lot of people get really excited uh, when they hear about flipping, they want to get into flipping, they see big numbers, they see fast money, cash now. Um, and it is sexy, I mean, a TV, but it's a lot of work. And the difference between flipping and acquisitions is flipping is an income activity; it's an income-generating activity, as opposed to buy and hold is more like wealth, generational wealth building for long term. And so, um, last year, it was during the beginning of COVID. I had a few projects on the go, flip projects, um, and then we had a construction shutdown for about seven weeks. And I was just so busy in my business that I really didn't have the time to sit back and really analyze what direction it was going in. And then with the construction shutdown, I was able to slow down long enough to say, hey, is this what I really want? And I didn't want to own a job. I actually wanted to build generational wealth. And so that's why I pivoted from flipping because you're making money with flipping. um, But it's like I said, you're not really gaining anything. And my business model at the time, which I was true to was for every, four or five properties I flipped, I would keep one in my portfolio. So that was always, I was taught to do that um, by my coaches and and I did that. Um, but again, I just didn't see myself ever kind of getting out of that. And I thought, well, if I just build a lot of properties, I'll create passive income a lot quicker. And so, um, and I've always wanted to use Uh, real estate as a vehicle to my passion. So getting to that passive income quicker is more important to me. And so that's why I pivoted from that. So I think it's really important to understand what it is you want to get out of the invest, the investing that you're doing. If it's passive income, if it's um, active income, if you need money for now, disposable income, I call it. Um, And then it's easier to identify kind of what strategy you want to go in. All right. Awesome. Thanks
2: uh, Thanks for that. That was great. Um, and now you're also um, doing all of this and building your, your real estate business at the same time as raising three kids. Um, how has that been for you?
0: Well, you know, um, parent with the father of my children, um, I started doing this while we were together um, and then a separation ensued and he's been truly supportive. And so in that sense, like if I need to um, have time off to do an event, like, you know, for example, speaking at the right club, obviously I can't have my children in that evening. Um, at the time when I first separated with my ex, my kids were six, eight, and ten, and so um, obviously I couldn't leave them at home. Now, um, they're teenagers, a little bit different, so it's a lot easier, the challenges are different, um, but, the, uh, but, but it's definitely easier logistically as far as babysitting and stuff like that, so, but I, I was truly fortunate because, um, you know, my ex has really been supportive. So if I needed to go away for a conference or I need a day to, to that's my my day, for example, um, he's just really great about, yeah, it's fine, the kids can stay with me. So I think there's a difference between him being a single parent and co-parenting. I really tip my hat off. I know there are single mothers out there that try to do this, but ultimately what it boils down to is really having good support network or support system that you can lean on. And- truly being organized. And I think as women, that's probably the best quality that we have is to be organized and be able to manage multiple things. So, you know, like, you know, doing, I I know it sounds, I mean, people don't see this in me, but yes, I do laundry and I cook and I clean and and we all do that, but you know, my public face doesn't show that. And so in the background, I am managing all that as well. So I think, um, you know, it's been really easy. We share the kids 50, 50. So, on the times that I don't have the kids, I really catch up with that domestic stuff. And so that way I just focus on being with them when I do have them, but ultimately um, it, it has its challenges, but you just have to su- lean on the support network you have and be organized and, and think ahead for sure.
2: Awesome. So. You know, I'm a big believer in delegating, and, and it sounds like you've got a lot of stuff on your hands as well. Um, you know, what, what are your thoughts about delegating? And are there certain things that you're delegating so you can focus more on taking care of the, you know, your family and working on the real estate? Are there parts of it that you say, I'm going to hire this part out um, and it's going to, uh, to work out better that way?
0: Yes, definitely. Um, First and foremost, the easiest thing you can delegate and should delegate is cleaning your house. So I do have a cleaner that comes in and uh, cleans my house. Now my cleaner comes in, there's three main things, like there's a difference between cleaning and organizing. So I do keep my house neat and tidy and organized, but she comes in, she does the floors, the toilets, and and the dusting. Those are the things that really drive me crazy. Um, and they come in once a week and, you know, they bang it out in two hours, but you know, for them, there's three girls in two hours at six hours to clean my house. I've just gained myself six hours to spend with my kids and work. So ultimately it saves me six hours of time. They come in and there's three girls, they spend two hours and that saves me six hours of time where I can delegate that time or reallocate that time rather to my kids and my work six hours a week, that's 24 hours in a month, like that's pretty significant. And so um, I can get a lot of time done or spend some quality time with my kids, not to mention the energy that you save as well. So, you know, I can use some of that time to rest and hang out with my, I mean, we have movie time and stuff like that. So, you know, that's, it allows me, it affords me to be able to do that. And um, so I, that's probably the first thing. Well, it is the first thing that I delegated, but then grocery shopping is another big one. So I do my groceries online, did this ever since I had my first, like when my kids were babies. Um, and that's because, I mean, it would save me about three hours a week uh, grocery shopping because just the time it takes to load up the kids, go to the grocery store, unload the kids, get into the grocery store, you spend an hour, an hour and a quarter, and then you got another, you know, 15, 20 minutes at the checkout, another 15 minutes loading up the car. Like it legitimately would save me three hours. So I could do my groceries online within 15 minutes. and. Funny enough, when you start doing that, you realize about 95% of what you buy at the grocery store is the same every week. And so once you have like those items in your cart online, like in your favorites, it's just a click, 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 and I can have my groceries done in 10, 15 minutes. So so yeah, that's another thing that I delegate. I know some people um, delegate cooking, and that's a huge thing. Um, something that I've entertained, I haven't pulled the trigger on that yet, but even just meal prep, because I mean, cooking a meal (laughs) takes an hour, you know, 45 minutes to cook a meal between the prep and the cooking time. And then, you know, 15 minutes, to eat it with your family and another 15, 20 minutes to clean up. So if you can save that 45 minutes to an hour on the front end with the prepping, I think that's huge. Um, and if, if it's done efficiently, I have looked into it. It's actually, um, it makes sense financially as well.
1: And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors.
2: Today's podcast is brought to you by LegalSecondSuites.com. Ken Beckendam is an amazing real estate investor. He understands the process of the conversion inside and out, and he has built one of the largest by volume design build firms in the GTA that specializes in legal multifamily conversions, anywhere from two to fifteen units and he's been involved in either the designer or the contractor in well over 250 conversion projects which resulted in over 600 legal dwelling units. That is a lot of legal dwelling units. And Ken and his team at Legal Second Suites, they cover everywhere from Halton, Niagara, Haldeman, Norfolk, Brant, Hamilton, London, Tri-Cities, Barrie, York, and anything in between. He's one of the few firms that can complete the entire process for you from design to construction to property management. So it's truly a one-stop shop. So reach out to Ken at LegalSecondSuites.com. Again, it is
3: LegalSecondSuites.com. And now back to the show. That's, those are great tips. I love it. Um, so, um, spending more time, being able to organize yourself so that you can spend more time with your family, and in essence, making more memories. And not only that, but it's recharging your batteries so that you can be better for not only your family, but but for your your job, for your, the people that you work with, and so on and so forth. And I, I know that you're also you know, like a you're a general contractor. There's not very many women. That are in that particular field with um, with real estate investing. Um, so I don't want to go too far away from where this is, but just um, I know that you've likely got a couple of other tips and tricks. Like you know, within a couple of minutes, just kind of fast. What are your other tips and tricks for those that are um, managing their families? at the same time as their REI business. And then uh, I'd like to hear a little bit about your general contracting and how you're finding that being a female in a normally all male dominated field.
0: Well, as far as the first part of your question, um, you know, managing the family with my business, I, I, the big part uh, the big part that was helpful for me was actually kind of training the kids and asking the kids to um, understand that I'm working. And so I do a lot of, And a lot of real estate investors do this. I mean, I'm sure both of you can attest to this. Like my truck is my mobile office, meaning I do a lot of phone calls in the truck. So if I'm in the office and I've got some admin work to do, and I know I'm going to go out into the field, I don't make my phone calls in the office until I hit the road. Once I hit the road, I make all my phone calls. It's just a good use of my time. I do have, um, I mean, I know, known everybody knows, like, I've got my earpiece in now, like, I always have my earpiece in. I just talk to myself. I walk around in public talking to myself all day long. People are, like, answering me and stuff. It's actually quite funny, but uh, because with my long hair, you don't see the earpieces in, so I just look like I'm talking to myself, but that's essentially what I do is uh, make my phone calls in the office, um, uh, in the office, in the truck, <laughs> my, my mobile office, And, uh, and I've trained the kids. So, you know, when I'm picking them up and dropping them off and stuff like that. So if I get a phone call or have to make a phone call, the kids know, and ever since they were young, 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 um, mommy has to make a phone call. I need you to be quiet. And they've been always really good about that. And when they were younger, it was more of a challenge. So I would just say to the person, oh, can you just hold on for a quick second? I got a quick call coming in. I'll be right back. And then I would just mute them and I would look at the kids. And I think just by the look they knew, I'm like, guys, you, like mommy needs to look professional. This isn't working, you know, and then they would like zip it up right away. And then I'd come back. And I'm like, thanks for holding. And then so, you know, and I continue with my call and nobody really knew any difference. So um, you just kind of, you know, have to be creative. Don't be shy to ask for help. And I do. Like I said, with my ex, I would ask, help, but I also ask for help with my kids. And so I would say, you know, guys, I need your help. I need you guys to help mommy look professional. And so you have to kind of come down to their, to their level of understanding and speak their language so that they're able to understand exactly why you're asking what you need and, and that helps. So um, yeah, and that'd be fantastic. So, you know, just training them on what I needed. Um, I would take them to the job site so they understand what I do and I would discuss with them. Um, you know, those are just all key things as far as managing the family as far as managing, uh, the contractors. Well, let's see, where do we start? I mean, Catherine, you just opened up a big can of worms there. I'll tell you what, um, being the mother of three, three kids. Um, yeah, that gave me a lot of experience on how to manage the contractors. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, it is a challenge on, on the best of days and you said it, I mean, being a woman in a man's world and especially with contracting, um, I, it's a blessing and it can be a curse as well. Um, the blessing is this, I'm a woman, so men want to help me. So, you know, when they're doing something or I'm I'm like, I'm not sure how to attack this. I mean, they really want to be, you know, the knight in shining armor and they're, they're really willing to help. I think more than they would if it was, if I were a man you know, they're kind of like, oh, that's his problem. He can figure it out as far as, you know, I'm a woman They they just want to kind of impress me and they want to step up and and be the guy with the answers, you know, um, and be my savior. So the downside is there are some men that don't respect women in the industry. Um, but I think I, I don't, I don't really see it. And I think that's a lot to do with my personality because I don't even think that way. Like, I just don't even acknowledge that I'm a woman. Um, and I don't, I just like, so I don't, when they maybe look at me differently or they're acting differently towards me, I don't necessarily compute that it's because I'm a woman, but I will tell you this, I've been on site with um, partners and my partners, again, they're all male, right? So um, we go on site, we're doing a walkthrough with contractors. And if I find that the contractor that we're meeting is talking to my partner, I will call them out on it and say, I'm sorry, I'm actually the one running the job here. But if you want to have a conversation with him, that's great. But you do realize you're going to have to deal with me at some point. And so I do like flat out call them out. Um, and I so I don't really hold back. Um, and, and then they, it kind of puts them in check and reminds them, oh, OK, there's two people here that I need to talk to. So um, and they quickly learn that they don't want to upset me because I'm the one that's running the show. So if they want the job, they're going to have to learn to work with me. And I think I may have even said that, like, if you want the job, you're going to have to work with me. Is that okay? Like, does that work for you? So I think, uh, I think when you're just really open and transparent, um, I think it kind of dispels kind of that myth, but I do have a personality that's quite strong and intimidating. Um, So, uh, you know, I think some other women may have more challenges than I would And and I don't know, I think it's probably just because I've been around a lot of contractors for a long time because my ex was a contractor.
2: And, and you also know, you know, the processes, you know, how to do things and you have the background. And I think that's also helpful. So when they're actually talking and they're thinking, oh, maybe I've been talking over her head, you're able to have that conversation and they're like, oh, okay, well she knows what, you know, I can't pull some all over her, her eyes. She knows what, you know, she's talking about and I've got to get this done. Um, and I, and I think that comes through, you know, your experience, having done what you, what you've done. And I think that is awesome. Um, but I do agree with you using it as a competitive advantage is a great opportunity because I think, like you said, people are just nicer uh, to us for the majority of the time. And it is, you know, 2021, like maybe 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it would have been different. But I I think, you know, as long as you could show that you've got the substance and and you understand the basics um, and you've done this before you know, ultimately, like you said, you're the one running the show. You're the one that's going to give them the paycheck if they don't have the respect and they're still living like it's, you know, 30, 40 years back in the day. Well, I mean, you know, contractors are a dime a dozen uh, at the end of the day. So, you know, let's move on and, and, uh, and next. Um, I want to go back to your kids and how you, you mentioned that you also took them on the job site you know, if, if you could share, I, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know how old they are now. I think they're, you know, in their early teens or, or a little bit younger. Um, are they into real estate and, and what are you doing to try to get them to like, maybe, you know, be excited uh, about it? If, if that's, uh, if that's the route that you're thinking.
0: Yeah. So, um, as a parent, it's, it's really difficult to, um, allow your kids to follow their own paths when you think that you can put them on one that's going to serve them well. Um, and so I've learned, um, I think the more you try to push people in one direction, if they're resisting, they're just going to, you know, dig their heels in a little bit deeper. And so uh, so I do avoid that. However, I do speak about the benefits of, you know, um, real estate and what it's going to bring and uh, the long-term rewards of it. And so that way, it kind of—I just want to plant seeds and then water those seeds over the long term, and then allow them, you know, allow them the ability to maybe consider it. Now, having said that, I'm a part of a group in the states. This was the first coaching program that I had joined back in 2013, and they have—they um, have a program for kids age 12 to 17. So. Uh, When we had live events, and of course, nothing's happened during COVID, um, but when we had live events, I took my boys to two different conferences with me. So while I was in the adult room, they were in the kid room. And, uh, and so, and they got to, it was a lot of fun. One was in Chicago, one was in Austin. It was a lot of fun because, you know, we got to go tour around Chicago. So there was a benefit. I'm like, you know what, if you guys want to come on a trip with me. So that was kind of like my bait. And then they ended up, you know, like, okay, well, what are we going to do? We're just going to be in a conference room. I'm like, yeah, what's wrong with that? Like mom loves that. So, but yeah, no, you got to like spice it up a little bit and make it appealing to the kids. And so, uh, so I said, you can have your own room and, We'll go tour around the town, check out, you know, look up Chicago online and it's a lot of fun. Let me know where you want to go. And, and actually when we were in Austin, we were at at a hotel that was attached to the convention center. And that weekend, it just so happened that everybody was showing up with these uh, name badges and it was like Comic-Con or something like that. I don't even know what it's called, but something like that anyway. So it's like, like a gamers convention. And then, so I told them, I said, look, if you guys get up every morning without giving me flack. If you, like, if you engage, and I know that, I know the guy who does the, the team conference. So every day after the conference, they actually would, and they would take their tickets and head over into the convention center. So that was a lot of fun for them, but it, it gets them thinking, here's what I'm going to tell you. You can't teach your kids. It has to come from somebody else. Now I teach a lot of people. I do conferences, I do seminars, you guys know this, I speak a lot. But you know, when it comes to my kids, just due to the relationship, they're not going to listen to me. So that's why I have to expose them to other people in my network that I know. And then all of a sudden they come back to me and they say, Well, mom, he said this. I don't quite understand that. Well, now we've opened up that door. So this is the approach that I've taken with my kids to get them interested. And I've shown them how we can take something and invest it and make it bigger over time. Um, you know, but just bringing them to these financial seminars has been huge in, in just getting them interested and opening up their minds a little bit to that entrepreneurial way, as opposed to, you know, the box that our education system puts us in.
1: Hey, Right Club Nation, we want to take a quick break from the podcast to introduce you to a longtime supporter of the Right Club and many members of the Right Club Nation, Mr. Dylan Suter of Elevation Realty. Dylan, take it away. Thank you so much for this opportunity. We as Elevation Realty are the sponsor for the real estate slot at the Wright Club, and we have been attending since the second Wright Club. We are an investment focused, high volume real estate team serving the golden horseshoe from Oakville down to Niagara. If you are looking to increase your cash flows or you want to find an incredible opportunity, we deal with builders. We deal with off market opportunities, as well as we get very creative and negotiate the best deal for even on market opportunities. We've helped a number of clients with The Right Club find flips, single family rentals, duplex conversions, three and four unit renovations, all the way up to large residential buildings with high cash flow.
2: Guys, and I have to say, I stand behind Elevation and Dylan. They found me. My last few properties have done an amazing job. 100% recommend them. So thank you for all your hard work.
1: Now, back to the podcast.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. And it's great that you mentioned too, like sometimes they won't listen to you, but they'll listen to somebody else and being able to like, you know, have others around you that you're, you know, your top five people that you, you, you know, have in your most hang out with circle of friends, um, they'll likely grasp that things there or, you know, like through somebody else, other investors. So I think that's, that's smart because a lot of kids, like you said, they don't want to listen to their parents because they think that they know it all and it's, you know, it's that relationship. So I, I think that's, a, you know, some, some great tips, some great insights. Um, and, you know, it is, to, it is awesome to see like how much Success you've had in real estate while working as a full time you know mom and co you know co parenting as well and it sounds like that's going that's going well and you've got some some great insights there. Um, I, w- I want to switch it a little bit to you know what you're doing uh, right now and um, and and how that's working just in terms of the buy and hold in uh, in a market that's you know so hot. Um, what are some of the things that you're doing to acquire uh, new properties or some of the things that you've done? Uh, in a hot market? And I know there's always ups and downs in different cycles, but if you wouldn't mind just talking a little bit about that, that'd be great.
0: Yeah. So it is a hot market. Um, there's a lot of competition, you know, right now we're buying properties that wouldn't be our first pick or it's not a preference, I should say. So, and we're going into markets that are not typically our preference, but we have shifted. Um, like my business model was to stay more in a hybrid location somewhere where um, that was in a more urban area like my my initial properties were just outside the gta uh, where there was you know a little bit of cash flow not a lot of cash flow but a little bit of cash flow and some appreciation so i call those hybrid markets as opposed to like if you go in toronto a major urban center you're going to have more appreciation than your cash flow and if you go to a really small area you're going to have high cash flow but Probably a sleepwear market that has no appreciation, so i 'm um, still kind of in a hybrid market like that 's kind of where we 're focused but um, but heavier on the cash flow than the appreciation, and the reason for that is just to negate against any downside in the market that might come up because Here's what's going to happen. Eventually, interest rates are going to go up, which means your mortgage payment is going to go up. The uh, vacancy rate may, and I mean, we all forget, like, we're in such a strong market right now that we become comfortable and complacent. And I'm really big on just making sure that I keep in mind that this is not going to stay this way forever. And I think it's been this way for so long that people have forgotten that. And it's bound to turn at some point. But we have here in the Toronto area, and the GTA, we have so much immigration, albeit that, you know, it's been interrupted a little bit due to COVID, but that's not going to be forever. But we have so much immigration and shortage of housing that it's hard to conceive that vacancy rates could go up here. But they could, you know, essentially they could. Um, and yeah, those are the two things that I look out for. So I've changed my, my business model a little bit to go into more cash flow heavy market um for that reason just so that you know if the vacancy rates go up that means the rent values go down that the income that we would get is going to go down so I'm negating that risk a little bit by going into a higher cash flow market.
2: All right. So instead of like an hour, an hour and a half away, you're you're looking at four or six plus hours away where there's a little bit more cash flow, there's still some lift as an example.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I'm going into smaller market like essentially um it's not just necessarily how far away from the GTA, but a smaller market, like, you know, twenty, forty thousand 40,000 people, as opposed to a big urban center, like those smaller towns, you're going to have more. Um, you're just not going to have the appreciation because there's not an influx of, of, you know, an economy there and an influx of people. Um, but um, again, it's it, like, it's just for now. And, and also because yeah, I've changed my business model. So I'm looking for some passive income. Right. So, now that I'm not flipping, I do need disposable income. And so that's also going to help, you know, with that, that need that I have. So there's a couple of reasons why we shifted into that space. Um, but I'm also considering going, you know, into other markets as well, as well outside of the province. Um, and again, just for having more flexibility, more diversity, um, as everybody knows, Ontario is a tenant-friendly province, and I would prefer to be investing in a landlord-friendly province or state and so just looking to diversify a little bit and um and uh you know maybe put the odds in our favor if something were to happen
2: yeah absolutely you gotta you gotta plan for the downsides just as much as you're you want to you know get some of the wins and some of the upsides definitely both are, are quite important um and you know so i guess one last question before we get into the lightning round you're going into some new markets you know i think you were in, in hamilton for uh, a while doing your flips and now you're going into different markets for buy and hold um, what are some, maybe some tips or insights that you can provide, uh, our right club community for, you know, building your team, you know, figuring out how you're like, if something is six hours away, um, you know, how are you purchasing, um, who are you ensuring that you've got uh, feet on the street or a team, um, out there and, um, whatever you can share would be great.
0: Well, essentially, I mean, your first point of contact is going to be a realtor. And again, I mean, people have heard, I'm sorry, because those of you that have heard me speak before, this is going to be old news to you. Um, But it's so important. I probably repeated on most of my interviews. And that is you want an investor friendly realtor, investor friendly, any professional that you use. And that includes a realtor, meaning like most realtors deal with the retail market just for people who want to buy a home for themselves or for a family member. Um, Investors, like investing is such a niche and has a whole different criteria. So you want an investor-friendly realtor, preferably that invests themselves. That way they understand the risk, they understand the model and, and they understand your language when you're talking to them about what your needs are. So Um, that's number one. Number two, you want somebody who knows that market really well. So you want an investor-friendly realtor, maybe that's born and raised in that area. So they know the market. They know the pockets that are good pockets to buy in. They know the pockets to stay away from that are not good areas to buy in. And they also, if they're born and raised there, they're going to know a lot of people. So they can help you build your team. And if they're investors themselves, they're going to know okay, uh, the contractors to work with, the appraisers, like anybody you need, they should be well connected. So you can piggyback off of that. So that's my first um, suggestion. The other thing that I found really helpful is to find out if there's a landlord association and become a member in that market and attend their meetings because you got other landlords. Again, you can get to know them maybe partner with them and you can also piggyback off of their network and ask for referrals. So that's how I build my team. Um, And that's just by connecting with the right people, the right players that are active in that space. Yeah.
2: Some great insight for sure. And, and like you said, if they're investors themselves, the realtors out there, they should have a team built for themselves that they can Help you build yours and uh, likely the easiest, fastest way to do it. And down the road, if you want certain people replaced or whatnot, you can go ahead and do that. But um, 100% agree, it's uh, definitely a great way to get started. So, Danielle, the next part of our podcast is our lightning round. So, everybody gets the same four questions. And within 20 to 30 seconds or less, you're going to give us the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. And check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email, daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round. Okay. All right. So question (laughs) question number one, what is the best advice that you have ever received from another investor or at a networking event? Hmm.
0: Best advice I received from another investor. Well, here, how about from a coach? Uh, Trust, but verify. that's one that I live by now. Um, And, and well, you guys know done is better than perfect. So I won't go there, but trust, but verify is my more recent one that I've been really living by Uh, when I first started. So for the newbies out there, done is better than perfect. I'm telling you live by that rule um, because you just need to implement. You'll never get anywhere and you'll be spinning your wheels in the mud. If, Um, you don't do something. So if you're waiting for it to be perfect, you're never going to get anything done. Uh, But trust but verify is kind of, as you kind of grow as an investor, um, you know, you start living by different models and mantras and trust but verify has been one that uh, because I'm a very trusting person and I don't want to like not trust anybody, but I do question everything now. And that curiosity and that questioning has really, um, saved me from maybe some sticky situations, but it also helps with my education. So instead of just taking people at their word, verify it. And In the process of verification, you're gonna learn something and get a deeper understanding of what it is you're questioning essentially. So trust but verify,
3: always. So uh, what's your favorite resource for real estate investing? And that could be anything, book, training, person, event. Yeah. The Right Club. The Right Club is at the top of my list because you guys are
0: awesome at delivering some great content for people. Uh, yeah. You guys know I'm a huge advocate for The Right Club. However, if I was to expand on that a little bit, definitely, you know, networking events and which is what The Right Club is all about. Networking, sharing content, educational information, Uh, But again, like, you know, I tell people, even though you get it in a room, you still got to trust, but verify. So if I can go back to the first question that you guys asked me, like question people that are in front of the room, even if it's me, like I tell people, don't take me at my word, go find out for yourself. And then when you're, when you're going and you're, you're doing that, you're actually getting a deeper understanding of everything. So just because um, like networking events are huge because not only do you get the information, but you're picking up on your neck, expanding your network. And, you know, for me, I built my business on networking. Um, Networking is a marketing system. And so don't forget, like just don't take that um, lightly. It's so important for your business.
2: Absolutely. Trust and verify, but networking events. Awesome. Danielle, question number three, in your opinion, what is the one attribute? That has made you most
1: successful.
0: Hmm. Well, I think it's definitely my personality. Um, you know, everybody has different personalities, and I think for me, um, I just I'm, I connect really well with most people. Not everybody. I mean, that would be unrealistic. Um, I'd have to be Superwoman for that to happen. But for the most part, I connect really well with people. And I think that's just because, you know, I'm honest, I'm transparent, you know, I don't, I don't fluff things, I kind of tell it how it is. Uh, and so people know with me, what you see is what you get. Um, but further to that though, if I were to say something that was really, you know, key in the success of my business is the ability to be fluid within my business. So if something isn't working, Um, I just shift it. I don't get stuck on an idea and then go, okay, I really got to make this work. So don't try to take a round peg and fit it into a square hole. It just doesn't work. So being fluid in your business, being able to shift and adapt. If you look at all the businesses during COVID that happened, all the ones that were able to shift that were fluid and that were open and saying, okay, you know what, instead of crying about COVID, I'm just going to work with what I got. And by the way, say that to my kids at least three times a day. You got to work with what you got. And so, um, and, and I probably tell it to myself even more than that, but being fluid
3: in my business has definitely, um,
0: been key to success.
3: That's awesome. That's it. It's so true. As you said, especially the, the other businesses that you're looking at within this, the COVID it's those that had the creativity to think outside the box, figure out what the need was and meet that need, which you do extremely well. So, uh, which is great. So one last lightning round question here. What do you typically do on a Sunday morning?
0: (laughs) Um, Okay, so yeah. How about this for a quote? Um, You have to do what others won't in order to have what you want. Um, And and there's a quote, I just butchered that. So um, maybe you guys can help me out because I know you guys know this quote too. You have to do what others won't in order to have what they don't have or something like that. do you know it, Sarah?
2: Well, it's, I think it's something along the lines of you know, do what others won't so you can live like others can't.
0: Yeah, you're you're definitely a hundred percent closer than I than I, I don't know. But <laughs> that. Um yeah, so so you know, in the spirit of that, every uh every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. I have a partner meeting with my partners. Um and it's a two-hour partner meeting call. Uh we talk about our week um prior. Uh, what we accomplished and what we need to work on moving the following week. So um, yeah. So yesterday morning, today's Monday, yesterday morning, I was on my partner call. Uh, We talked about our accounting systems and how we're going to improve it, um, how we're going to hire a new bookkeeper because we've lost our current bookkeeper. Um, Yeah. So we just talk about essentially fundamental corporate issues that we need to work on. That doesn't happen during the Monday to Friday. So, um, you know, and we just, we're focused, we're relaxed and, uh, I have to say I sleep in on Sunday mornings. Um, but really, I mean, you have to take it up a notch if you don't want to live an average life. You do. There's just no way around that. Um, you know, most investors that I know really do are fully committed to their business. And, you know, one of the biggest things that people laugh with me is, you know, you know, Danielle never, she doesn't know weekends. Like what's a weekend? You know, I get excited for Friday. Like everybody's like, woohoo, it's Friday. And they're like, really, Danielle? And I'm like, well, psychologically it still works and puts me in a good mood. But yeah, like this coming Saturday, I'm doing um, my spring walkthroughs. Um, so I'm going through eight properties on Saturday. And again, so that I don't lose a business day, and out of my operations, I do stuff like this during the weekends. So, um, so yeah, Saturday, I'll be spending Saturday going through uh, eight units and meeting with tenants, taking walkthrough videos and, and documenting what I need to do for my spring walkthrough. So, but, you know, this is what you need to do in the weekend. Um, if you, and your evenings, you guys know, uh, like three out of five evenings, I'm on a Zoom call for work. And I mean, it, and I wouldn't give it up for the world. I wouldn't.
2: Yeah. And and you're passionate about it and you enjoy, and I think that's what makes it easier as well. So Danielle, thanks for playing the lightning round. Where can our community reach out and find out more about you?
0: Yeah. So I have actually got a link there. Um, So if anybody wants to connect with me and see how we could potentially work together, maybe you're a lender. um, I've always got places to put money. Um, Maybe you're a lender, maybe you're an active investor and, you know, are looking for me to be the passive partner. Uh, we entertain a lot of different ways. I love working with people and creating win-win situations. Um, so if you want to book a call with me, you can just go to calendly.com forward slash strategic success forward strat forward slash intro dash call. And I hope you guys are going to post that somewhere because I just butchered that too. Um, we will
2: put it in the show notes. <laughs> so calendly.com forward slash strategic success Forward slash intro dash call.
0: Yeah, you're hired. You're just so much better at this than I am. I'm
2: literally <laughs> just reading it from your card. If you guys are listening or watching this, I can uh, I can see it. So, but we will put in the show notes.
0: Wonderful. Yeah. So you can just book a call with me a 15 20 minute call. Um, you know, even if you just need some some direction on where you should go if you're not sure. Um, you know, I do have a two day course called Reverse Engineering Real Estate, and that is. That was created because I wanted, I I saw that the biggest issue that people have is that they just don't know where to start. And so, I mean, I'm happy to jump on a call with people. Um, You gotta first look at what your goals are, what your resources are, and then look at the strategy and and pair up to that. So that's really important. Um, And I can help people with that. Um, Like I said, I don't mind jumping on a quick call and seeing how I can help.
2: Awesome, awesome. Thanks Danielle for being on the show. That was awesome. Thank you for all your insights. It's uh, it's great to you know watch you go and, and expand into you know new areas, uh, you know new territories, regions. Switching from flipping to holding and, and really creating a really awesome portfolio while managing a family and everything else in between and making it look super easy. So anyways, thank you so much. That was awesome. Right Club community, reach out to Danielle. I mean, you know, I'll probably reach out to you as well. Like there's tons of things that like you can teach me uh, and, uh, and thank you very much for sharing what you know today.
0: I'm honored to be here. Thank you so much, ladies. Thank you. That was
3: fun. That was fabulous. Thank you.
2: Well, Danielle has tons of information. It was an awesome podcast. We'll have to have her come back. I mean, we could, we could take even just like flipping or buy and hold or a small portion and we could have a whole hour conversation about it. I mean, you know, she's been in, in the industry for a while. She's done a ton. Um, she is a great mentor, a great coach, a great supporter of the right club. Um, Catherine, was there one key takeaway that you, uh, that you got from the interview that you, uh, you wanna just
3: summarize for us? Being organized, being able to, uh, it's almost two things. First of all, being organized so that she can manage her family, so she can manage her business. But also she had a phenomenal point at the end there about being able to be fluid, see what's going on and be fluid and be able to move things and think outside the box. Fabulous advice. Really looking forward to uh, uh, speaking with her again.
2: Absolutely, every time I learn a ton, and you know what was really cool is just even some advice that she gave about how to get your kids more engaged and just having them you know have conversations and attend different events from different people rather than trying to shove information down uh, coming from a parent to a child, they may not be as receptive, but if it 's somebody else uh, that tells them about it and they think it 's cool, and then they tell their parents, "Hey, this person said this about real estate investing and, and getting them uh, interested that way." Uh, Danielle, thank you for being on. That was awesome. Catherine, thanks for being a great co-host and right club community. Come grow with us until next week. Let's live our dreams.
1: Thanks for listening to the right club podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at the right where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.